Nobody else is going to be able to find your own happiness. You need to make that yourself. You need to, you're going to have to put in work no matter what. In every aspect in life, you're going to have to work towards something. Hey, this is Robert Gowan, and you're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast. On this episode, we talk to AJ or Alejandra, and AJ is a security forces NCO with the United States Air Force. What's great about this episode is we get into the topic of coaching, mentoring, and some of the things that leaders do and do not do uh, as they're leading other individuals on active service. This also applies to the civilian side. So sit back and relax and enjoy another episode of Mentors for Military. This is the Mentors for Military podcast. All right, so I figured what we would do in this podcast episode, uh, AJ, is uh, start off with talking about the difference between coaching and mentoring and some of the challenges that um, some women in the service actually have in trying to find mentors because there's just not a lot of women that end up going into more senior ranks that's got the experience and or have the experience and everything that uh, younger enlisted or junior officers might be seeking. And so you end up, as we had talked about, you end up becoming more friends with individuals that are, or mentor, you receive male mentors as opposed to female mentors because of that in a lot of cases. Uh, it is difficult to find uh, female mentors and it, it's easy to be a mentor because, especially in the career field, because you have those kind of questions that anybody can really answer. But when it gets to something a little more personal where um, you want to talk to a female about, um, you know, say something like how to deal with your husband in the relationship or something like that, it's it just you, there's that disconnect. And I wouldn't want to personally, I wouldn't want to talk to uh, my male counterparts um, about that kind of stuff. Because I feel like, in a way, um, they wouldn't really fully understand. Um, not that they wouldn't care. They just wouldn't really understand where I'm coming from. You know, it's funny you mentioned the dual relationships. We actually had a uh, somebody that reached out to us and asked about talking about that subject, about the difficulties of two military members who are married serving at the exact same time frame. How has that been a challenge for you? I don't mean to switch gears here, but you just kind of opened up that door, and I thought this might be a great opportunity <laughs> to take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely tough. Uh, being security forces, you don't get to pick your schedule. You work any schedule that you're, that you're given. So my husband was working nights and I was working days. And it was just like that. Our days were not the same. Our days off were not the same. And it it was definitely a, a, a really difficult challenge because you just, you're so close to someone and then you them at all. And you just don't relate to them like you used to anymore. Say you were a friend with somebody in high school and, you know, you go to high school together, you do everything together and, and you guys are best friends and you go off to college, they go one way, you go a different way. And it's just different or it's difficult to keep that connection alive. And that's what my husband and I faced for a while. Luckily, he's out now and we get to see each other. But it's 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 tough. It, it really is. How do they work out your assignments and everything? Were you given the opportunity to both choose the same assignments or is it one of these things where they would just say that it depends upon the needs of the military and if you guys can get the same assignment, great, but there's no guarantee of that? Yes, they will try to work with us, um, which is, it's a good thing. However, um, 
they also you have to take into consideration everyone else that's part of that flight or of that team. It's not just about you. And there's people that you know they're they're dual military and they have kids. Um, so they're going to cater to them a little more than they would to somebody that's married and doesn't have kids or they don't have any more extra responsibilities. Um, so that's, they, they do try to work with us, but at the end of the day is if we can, we'll do it. And if we can't, then, you know, too bad. No, it totally makes sense. I was just curious about that because I didn't know very many people that actually were, you know, married to another service member. I want to switch gears and go back to, again, to coaching and mentoring, or at least the challenges that you found within mentoring and finding a, a female of some senior level that can pro- help you guide you through your career. I think also, too, one of the challenges that I found within the military is that a lot of times military service members don't know the difference between being a coach and being a mentor. And there is a big difference there. You know, coaching and mentoring use the same skills and approach. But the thing about coaching is that it's really focused on short-term results. You know, you think about a, a coach is trying to work on a uh, work on your batting skills or work on your pitching skills, you know, and the, a real you know, coach in, in uh, athletics or something like that. A mentor more is about trying to get you to focus on long-term goals and things that, that they can work with you on and try to guide you in that part of that direction and everything. So they provide their knowledge, their advice, and those types of things. And for you, it's really trying to develop your own career path and your own motivation and those types of things. They're just trying to help guide you along those ways. Uh, But I do find that sometimes those two areas end up crossing one another where people don't know the difference between being a coach and being a mentor. Yes, absolutely. Um, and you really hit it spot on. A a coach is more of a sorry, my my Spanish accent is coming out sometimes. Um, but yeah, coaches is short term, and a mentor is going to be long term. Long term, um, and a mentor is going to be all aspects. It's not just going to be one thing in life. It's going to be your personal life, your work life, um, anything that you can or might need help with. They're going to come to you, or vice versa. As to where a coach, like you said, there's different coaches for different things, and that really is short-term. And, you know, it, it's really difficult uh, for a female, and, and I'm only talking about that because that's been my personal experience in that I have not met many uh, higher-ranking females in my career field. And so when I want to uh, ask questions on what I should do to, to better my career field or which path I should take or, or somebody that might have an experience that I don't, but I'm interested in. They, they've never been there. They get in, they, they do their six years. A lot of them um, end up marrying to somebody that's in the same career field. And then it just gets too difficult. So end up, uh, one of them ends up separating and it's usually the female because they want to take care of the family and and that's what they want to do. And that's fine. But then after that, then he leaves all the newer airmen that are females with less people to look up to. And it's it's a challenge, definitely. But at the same time, you got to find somebody that's going to motivate you no matter what. And for example, uh, when I was in Belgium, I wasn't close to my mom. I wasn't close to my family. It was just a, a remote area. And the person that I confided a lot in and that motivated me a lot was my first sergeant's wife. And she was the one that got me into, hey, you should go back to school. Hey, have you thought about this? And have you thought about that? And it doesn't really necessarily have to be somebody that's uh, in your career field, um, in, in the same position that you're in. It's just somebody that 
uh, has experience that can help you with difficult decisions or help you guide you in a in the right path or a path that you want to go to. I mean, for your career field, where did you find that there's or are you finding that there is different paths maybe for females versus males or in security forces does it does it really matter about the the sex or you know capabilities and stuff like that you know security forces wide it is a huge career field there is so many ways that your career can go um you can be dagger you can be raven you can be an instructor you can be a patrolman you can work to protect uh, assets vital to national security. You, there are so many ways you can go. And a lot of people don't know about these options. Now, to get information on each thing to better help you make a decision on which route you want to go, not everybody has that experience. And it's not, I don't want to say it's more difficult for females because it's really not. It's, it's all standardized. And if a male can do it, a female can too. And a uh, prime example, uh, so I'm the first female instructor over at IAFA, which is the Inter-American Air Forces Academy. And they have a security forces section, and they had never had a female instructor before. And the reason behind that is because the students, they all come from countries where females don't have the experience, and they're not put in places where a male is. So they just didn't really necessarily overlook females whenever they applied for instruction in jobs to be an instructor, but they didn't want to have that, that conflict of interest either, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. AJ, how long have females been doing the the um, roles in security forces in the Air Force in the US? Ah, uh, shoot. They've been since security forces. It was security police when he first started the career field and they've always been there. Okay. Um, but they, they've always been, um, overlooked and it's really a job that not a lot of females want to do. Uh, yeah. think of it as, um, you know, just being a cop, nobody, or a lot of females, they, they don't want to do that. They don't want to play with guns. They don't want to play with the guys. They don't want to get down and dirty. And so there's definitely that place where females don't really want to be in this career field. And the ones that do want to be in the, they don't that their career can go. So they end up either getting bored and just getting out or um, they meet someone and they just decide to get out for the better of their family. So that's a lot of factors that go into why a lot of females are not high ranking in our career field. Putting in that type of perspective that you have individuals that don't want to go in that career field in the first place because of the, the different types of work or the environment or something of that nature. And then that makes them, of course, where... Um, they may may not automatically have longevity because the percentage of females to male population within that career field may be already very low. I take it then yeah. that you're already looking at staying for a longer period of time. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I actually just re-enlisted last week. And had, had I been asked, are you going to re-enlist next when your enlistment is up two years ago? I would have said, heck no, I'm not doing this. I don't want to do this. I'm tired of doing this. And it changed and it honestly changed because I noticed that we need those female leaders and those female mentors. When I was a brand new A1C, there was not a lot of people that I could talk to. And then I'm, I made rank to senior airmen and there was still no females that I could talk to or the ones that I could talk to. There were more of uh, buddies than, than somebody that I would necessarily look up to. 
but because they were say one rank above me there was never anybody like a master sergeant or a senior master sergeant or a chief master and that was a female in security forces that i could look up to or openly talk to you about things um so that definitely that was one of the factors that made me realize that i i want to help those younger female airmen and tell them that they can do and that there's so many options that they, their career can go. It's great to, to hear you talking about that, that leadership role that isn't a specific military job then, if you like. You know, to, to be a mentor for other females coming through in the security services is such a vital and important role for somebody to pick that up and own it. For you to, to off your own back, decide, I actually want to stay in to provide that mentorship and um, to other females coming through. And, you know, the, the words I was pulling out of what you were saying was to show them and to tell them of what they can do uh, and what possibilities and what options they've got. I, I think it's such a great thing for you to take that on your own shoulders, you know, and it, it should almost be a position within the uh, security forces. If there isn't that many females uh, coming through the service, you know, to, to give somewhere in in the British military, we have um, mm -hmm. uh, a job title. It's called a, a welfare officer, basically, that looks after people's welfare um, okay. within the camp facility uh, type thing. So, you know, to have nice. a female welfare officer that's able to provide advice and, and information, but from experience as opposed to from somebody just writing it down as a male person because that's predominantly what it is in the security forces and just asking a female can you make that you know relevant to females doesn't work does it but by you having gone through the ranks and the positions and the different jobs you know you you're talking from experience then and it's such a vital thing for new females coming through the system to to be able to look up to somebody who's done it i, th I think it's a great thing for you to do yes thank you no, and, and when you say experience, and and that really, um, that gets to me is that a lot of people don't have a lot of experience in our career field. They get put in one place and they just get stuck there for six, seven, eight, 10, 12 years, and they only do one part of what security forces is all about. You know, I've, I've worked the gates, I've been patrol, I've uh, worked at the jail on base, um, I've worked uh, as a desk sergeant, I've worked, now I'm an instructor. So it in the short seven years that I've been in, and I'm so thankful for that, but it, I'm also thankful that I asked a lot of questions. Oh, how do you do this? How do you do that? Oh, I want to do that. That is so cool. How, where do I sign up? And I feel that, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an open dialogue where the younger airmen, they want to ask questions. They're hungry. They want to know. But then we have those NCOs that are just grumpy because they hate their career field and they don't want to be there. So they don't want everybody else to be there. And they, they don't open that dialogue of the different ways that they can go. And then in turn, the airmen are, are shy and, and they don't want to ask the questions or they don't want to ask the wrong questions because, oh, that's a stupid question. You're never going to get out of here kind of deal. And, you know, personally, I think that the more experience that we have, the more things that we learn that's something that we should be sharing. What good is it if you learn something and you don't share it? Yeah, you know, I, I think you're spot on. AJ. I think, I think you are too. One of the most, one of the most <laughs> vital skills of being a good mentor is still being hungry for knowledge and mm -hmm. constantly learning, and then feeding that back down then to the people you're mentoring. So it's it's 
brilliant to hear you talking about it and being so enthusiastic about it as well. I don't think that it's uh, limited to just security forces, by the way. I think what you're describing is going to be across the board. And by the way, I know we are talking on the subject of females within the military because you are one. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is a lot of folks who end up going to the non-commissioned officer uh, ranks or uh, end up becoming leaders within the, even the officer corps are not giving back that type of mentorship. Um, they may be providing some short-term coaching, but what you're describing is going all in. You've got to be an individual that's focused on giving back and turning around and, and uh, being that selfless servant, that individual that is looking as a leader to help bring somebody else forward. Not every leader fits that category. At least I have not seen that every leader fits that category. No. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh... It's definitely not easy, and it definitely is something that isn't just for females. It's not something that's just in the military. It's it's no matter where you're from, what you're doing. Yeah. Um, it, it it's something that knowledge it it should be shared no matter what. We discussed this, and it was that whole closed mouths don't get fed. And I mean, you you nailed it with regards to hey, if you don't speak up. You can't expect much of anything because you didn't say anything. Absolutely. And well, and I think that's uh, that's a very good point because I think you know even if you're out there looking for employment or something of that nature, if you're not telling people that you need help or that you're looking, no one's going to be looking mm -hmm. for you because they think you're already satisfied. So the same may be true here that if you're an individual that looks like you're you know you're pretty sharp, you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. Maybe leadership is looking at you and saying, oh, okay, squared away, AJ's good to go. I, you know, She's not looking for assistance because you're not asking, so therefore you must be just fine. And yeah, and, and that's a, one of the things that I just, I strongly dislike. I'm not going to say I hate because my dad hates that I say I hate, <laughs> but I strongly <laughs> dislike when people say, and I quote, oh, well, that's a stupid question. Yeah. Obviously you would think it's obvious if I'm asking, I honestly don't know. And I really want to know. And by you saying, Oh, well, that's a stupid question. You're shutting me down for other questions that I might have. And then that, that, that bridge that was being built with one question is just being torn down. Or if there wasn't a bridge, you just didn't build one right there. Exactly. Yeah. That's just, that's just a prime example of a poor communicator. Somebody yeah. who doesn't understand that they're shutting somebody down instantly by saying that. I mean, realistically, there's no such thing as a stupid question, you know, and that's kind of the same because if you genuinely don't know, you mm -hmm. ask the question and, you know, nobody throws out a question or most people don't throw out a question knowing what the answer is. Some people do <laughs> test people, but you know, if you don't know, ask. That's the key thing to anything. Otherwise, you, you'll never know it. If you know, you, yeah. you you can't find out unless you ask something. And the best way of learning something is by talking to somebody who's got the experience of having done that thing. And the only exactly. way you're going to get that is by asking the question. Exactly. And you might be in a position where you're not happy with yourself. And I'll take you back to my career field where they get stuck working the gate. It's San Antonio. It is over 100 degrees outside. Nobody wants to be checking the gates. Nobody wants to be out in the sun. Just, oh, hey, have a good day. Oh, hey, have a good day. Nobody wants to do that, right? But that's where, what do I have to do to not do this anymore comes in. And that's where they would talk to an NCO or, or a mentor, ask those questions. What can I do to better myself? What can I do to build that path so I don't have to do this because I don't like doing this, but at the same time, I know I have to 
put some work into wanting to do something else. And that's how the dialogue gets opened. And, you know, closed mouths don't get fed because if you don't ask those questions, how do I better myself? You're never going to be fed because you're never going to get the answers that you need to progress in whatever you might want to do. And at the end of the day, you might be a 19 year old that has no idea what they want to do. Right. But they, they asking one question is going to open so many doors to many more questions. And that's where us as leaders and mentors, we should be talking to them. And if they don't want to ask questions, we should be asking them questions. Hey, have you thought of what you're going to do the next year? Have you thought of what you're going to do in two years? Yeah. Hey, what are you going to do next month? How's your QC going? You know, we, we have to open up that, that door. <laughs> and I keep saying that, open up the doors. But uh, that, that, that that's just how I view life. It, there are just many doors. It depends which one you're going to go into that's going to make you better or is going to make you miserable. I think sometimes as a mentor as well, you've got to remember that sometimes people don't know what they don't know. So if you yes. see an opportunity for somebody, you, you know, like you said, uh, AJ, opening up that dialogue um, and posing the questions rather than just giving them the straight answers. Have you thought mm -hmm. about what you want to do next? You know, the good open-ended questions that somebody's got to think about the answer and come back to. Yes. And actually, I just had a, a conversation with one of my friends whose uh, enlistment is up in about a year. And she was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Or she had an idea of what she was going to do. But I asked her, well, you've been at Lackland for most of your enlistment. Have you thought about um, applying to get orders? Well, I haven't gotten orders. Well, why haven't you gotten orders? Have you checked your assignments list? Have you updated your assignments list in accordance with the quarterly overseas assignment that comes out so that way you can have a better chance? Well, what's that? And I'm thinking, wow, she's been in so long and she does not know this, but I don't tell her that. I just tell her, oh, well, it's this, this, this. And I, I talk to her and then I tell her about another system that we have, AMS, where you can apply for a different job because she's a really, really bright young lady and she has so much potential and she belongs in the military. She's stern, she's firm, she's a, she's got a kick-ass attitude and she does not take shit from anybody. And it's just, it 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 saddens me that she's thinking about getting out because she doesn't know her options. So I, I tell her, well, you can do this and you can do that. And now she's, she's, she got excited. There's uh, more possibilities for her than just get out and go back to school, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not really what she wanted to do in the first place. But again, we weren't telling her um, the options that, that she could have used. It's because she realized that she went the wrong SF. <laughs> uh, but hey, I, I, I wanted to touch on something that you had said earlier with regards to uh, choosing different mentors for different aspects, because I know personally, for me, I have a different mentor for what I want to do as far as my physical fitness, vice what I want to do in my uh, business as I transition out of the military. I mean, I actually have a few mentors for business aspects. So then I have mentors, obviously, with regards to improving my abilities as an NCO within the all too. So I, I would imagine that you probably have had uh, similar experiences. Yes. Um, oh, my uh, first sergeant's wife in Belgium, she was my mentor. Uh, she helped me get on a, a, think about my future. She talked to me about education and why I should be going back to school because I joined the military to not go to school. I didn't want to go to school, right? 
but at the end of the day, she, she made me realize that education is really important. And even though I have a plan right now, it might not work out in two or three years. So I can always have a backup plan, which would be my education. If I decide to get out of the military and I wouldn't be struggling, then I, I, uh, I, I still talk to my recruiter. He's been a great mentor. He's taught me how to write bullets for EPRs, which is our, our yearly reviews. And they have to be written in a really weird format that I, I, I'm not a huge fan of, but hey, it is what it is, right? So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be the best at it. Right. And the person that I could find was uh, my recruiter, my old recruiter, who's now a senior master sergeant, or he's got a line number for senior master sergeant, which is an uh, EA for those that aren't in the Air Force. Um, but he he's taught me so much in the Air Force aspect of things because n- it's not always what your career field goals are that are going to be what your branch's goals are. Keeps me grounded on think the bigger picture. Think Air Force wide. How are you bettering the Air Force with what you're doing? And then I have another mentor who is who's actually working at the Security Forces Center where anything career field wise in my career in Security Forces happens. So he is really, really knowledgeable in this career field and anything that I have questions regarding the career field, I go to him career moves before I took up this instructor job or before I applied for it, I asked him if it would actually be a good idea. I mean, I wanted to do it. I know Spanish. I love my job. I would not mind teaching my job in Spanish because it it sounds really cool and it's, it's a lot of fun, but (laughs) just because it sounds cool and it's a lot of fun, is it really the job that I want to take up because eventually I would love to be any eight or a nine. You know, and and I was only a senior airman when I was thinking that far ahead, but it really helped me that they were there to answer those questions because had he not said, yeah, go ahead and go for this job, I probably would have been too shy and not gone for it. It's interesting, though, that the question that was asked by Eric kind of mirrors what I said earlier, that there is a difference between a coach and a mentor. See, I would think of somebody that's helping me with my gym and physical fitness more of a coach because it's more focused. There is uh, goals that are set that are short term, you know, realizations, you know, you want to work on, um, you know, your physique or you want to do this or, you, you know, once you get into a point though where you can maintain that, that's where the coach kind of leaves. Whereas I think of a mentor as being a little bit more long-term. Now, I've ran into life coaches, which are the same thing. They tend to focus on individual aspects of your life that you need to make improvements of on, but then they kind of pop out, and then you call them back up. But a mentor is somebody that you were describing mm. earlier that you could really um, you know, ask any type of question. They would provide their expertise and knowledge that might be – more along the lines of getting you to think about your own self, what you want to do, where you want to go, and how the things that they're challenging you on uh, in terms of questions makes you think about your next steps. Um, so to me, that's a little bit different than, I guess, short-term coaching. No, I I, I do have to agree um, in a way. I think it, it just depends how you view things and what your priorities are. Um you know, you used Eric's example, he might feel that uh, fitness is a priority to him. And it's something that he always wants to be good at that he always wants to better, rather than just get to a point, oh, I'm satisfied. I'm I I'm okay. Now I don't really need your help. But, you know, it's just prioritizing what what are your priorities? And where do you see yourself? Five, eight, 10 years down the line? 
and that's where you find a mentor that you're going to be able to call up as the years go by. I think I think you can be both. I think you can switch between a coaching role and a mentoring role. Uh, and if if we keep the example along fitness, as, as Eric um, brought up, so you you could you could have a target of um, I don't know, let's say running a twenty-minute three-mile run. Okay, so five k we have in the UK. So you could say I want to go sub twenty for five k. So somebody would coach you along the. We'll do fartlet training, run some hills, do strength and conditioning. Or you could have a target of saying, um, I want to do Ironman in three years' time. And then somebody would step into more of a mentorship-type role then because there's so many different aspects to that then. For a start, it's triathlon, so there's three disciplines. Mm -hmm. There's the nutritional side of things that comes with that. The motivation from doing such long-term training of, you know, week in, week out, doing 6, 7, 8, 12, 14, 16-hour um, training weeks. And how do you keep yourself motivated? And yeah, particularly in the UK, when I, when I trained for it a few years ago, getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and it's pitch black outside and you've got to get out and get on your bike and, and fit in a two-hour cycle before going into work when everyone has been bed. There's a motivational aspect behind that. So having somebody then to mentor you who's done a couple of Ironmans, got them under their belt and is keen to to give you experiences that they've had, how they kept themselves. So for me, a coach, because it's short term, you need to tell the person, right, do this specific thing. Mm -hmm. So going back to if you, you know, you you, want to do um, a 20 minute, five kilometer run, then you need to go and run hill reps do six sets of hill reps aiming for 30 seconds per hill sprint 20 second rest turning around back up again it's specific information but when you're mentoring somebody you want to kind of draw the information out of their own minds by posing questions to them yeah that makes them either go and search it or find yeah. the knowledge within themselves so for me that there's there's you can be both, I think. You can be both mm -hmm. a coach and a mentor in different roles at the same time. But it, also the, the vocabulary that you use and the techniques that you use can be different as well. Mm -hmm. One is specific and the other one is more open-ended and, and getting the person to do the learning for themselves. You know, Have you thought about reading this book? And then off they go and read that book and gain the information, the knowledge for themselves. Yes, and I, I think it also depends on how you view the person that's asking you questions. Um, do they, you, you just view them as somebody that just wants a quick answer or is it somebody that has a long-term goal? Of course, if, if once you can differentiate between those two, you can be either a coach or be a mentor. And it's just like anything. You need to turn one on the other one off. But I, I do agree with you. I think you've hit a valid point there, AJ, about the person's attitude and how they ask you will determine whether you be a coach or a mentor as well. If somebody just wants the quick fix, how do, tell, tell me the answer to this specific thing. Mm -hmm. how, do, how do I achieve this? Well, you need to go through step A, step B, step C. Mm -hmm. But if somebody comes and says, I, I want to learn about this, how do I get there? Well, have you thought about reading mm -hmm. this book? Have you thought about that? And that will switch which mode you're going to be in as well, I think. And some people... 
can do it through being lazy, I guess, and they don't want to put the work in to learn it, and they just want yeah. somebody to give them the information and, you know, do it for them, if, essentially. And that's what, you know, these, the common phrase these days is life hacks, isn't it? You know, they, they need to achieve something in the shortest amount of time and the shortest amount of the least amount of effort possible. But if somebody comes to you and genuinely is, is keen to learn and wants to put the effort in, then people are more open to being a, a mentor to that type of person then. Yeah. You did it in your own story of helping that young lady that you were providing maybe coaching or mentoring. Maybe it, you, you maybe you kind of went on both sides of that in terms of trying to have her think about her future and um, have you looked at certain things? Have you applied for this or have you done that? Uh, that got her probably thinking about her own career and her life of what she wants to do and what is she trying to gain and has she really done a lot of soul searching and a lot of thinking about her career field and the possibilities that are available out there and I think that's the same case with most people uh, quite honestly is they they don't have somebody that tells them that there's so many different opportunities you and I talked about this, I think, as well. Like my, my wife is a nurse. And so in the nursing mm-hmm. field, you have the same kind of uh, capabilities. You can go from being a med surge nurse to a uh, orthopedic nurse to a, a surgical nurse. Or, a, you know, there's so many different um, aspects to that career field that you can do. Some people actually just focus on the job. And what they do is they get bored with that and feel like it's a dead end street. And so they end up getting out. Rather than yes. rather than looking at all these other career field opportunities that might be there where you can reinvent yourself. And that's kind of what you were describing to her. Are you thinking about maybe even a change of location, a change of career mm-hmm. field within the career field? You know, change change something within there and you may have a positive impact. Absolutely. And it goes back to saying that uh, you are the creator of your own destiny. And I tell people, well, take charge of your career. And they're just like, well, I'm in the military. I just do whatever they tell me to do. And that's it. I have no say. But you do. Prime example is in our career field, we are currently um, transitioning all the people that have been stuck in one place um, where they work security for vital assets to our security or national security. Uh, They want to get those people out because they've been stuck in one place. Nobody wants to go to uh, Minot, nobody wants to go to Maelstrom, and nobody wants to go to Effie Warren because everybody says that the job sucks. I don't know. I've never been there. But if I had to pick one of those three, I'm going to pick Effie Warren. Why? Because it's close to Colorado. It's close to where I can travel and see things. And what I mean by take charge of your career is that you know your career field is doing this change. You know that those are going to be your top three options. Pick one and you can be happy instead of just saying, oh, well, I got stuck at mine that I didn't want to go there in the first place. Nobody wants to go there. But you also had the choice to go to FE1 and you didn't pick that one. So it's kind of your fault. You you went beyond, though, just the career field and the location, because what you started doing, you started looking at, hey, there's a life outside of the military or outside of what I do on a day to day job. So you went to Colorado because or a location close to Colorado because you were looking at it as let me turn a negative into a positive. There is positive. There are positives that are there. It may be a a sucky location as far as a permanent change Mm -hmm. of station, but where it's at, there may be other things that I can do to turn it to my advantage where I can get some benefits around it. Again, I think that's where good mentoring comes into place is uh, what are your, what is your focus? What are you trying to do? And sometimes we always have to make little hurdles 
or um, stepping stones, as I used to call it when I mentored individuals, mm-hmm. you know, take a couple stepping stones that might be things that you think are not guiding your career are going to help you or not as attractive as other things. But you know what? You're going to learn so much from those stepping stones and they're going to lead to something else once you jump off. So you might have to step on a stepping stone every once in a while. Yeah. And, you know, in in just like in life, you're going to go through uh, things that you don't want to go through that make you uncomfortable or things that you just plain and simple don't want to do because it's not something that you signed up to do per se. But like you said, turn something negative into a positive. I'm not always going to be at work. I'm not always going to be doing that, say, sucky job in quotation marks. Um, but I can, on my off time, enjoy myself and enjoy the area and Hey, maybe Minot has places where there's a bunch of breweries. I don't know. I'm just making something up. But if you're into beer, maybe Minot might be a better choice for you. It's just not seeing, see the bigger picture. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't just get stuck in one thing because there's other things that are around it that can make it so much better than what people have told you. And those people are the ones that stay in their room and they never go do anything. They're staying in their house and they're just stuck in their little negative bubble. And having that attitude is not helping anybody. Nobody wants a negative Nancy in their team. Nobody wants that person that, oh, I hate this and I hate that. And, you know, what's that going to do for you? Nothing. You're just going to try to bring people down and, Get out of my Air Force if you're going to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You got to be the leader to where you turn around and talk to them and mentor them and say just that. Hey, you know, got to clean up the attitude. You got to look inside. You got. Come on now, AJ. <laughs> but if all else fails, you know, it's just you can only do so much for people sometimes, too. They're just those people that no matter how much you try to talk them out or no matter how much you show them all the different options or no matter how much time you put into them, they're just, they're just, uh, just negative in, in their soul. And you just can't change that. If you, if you come to that point, there are certain people that like thrive on drama or just thrive Mm -hmm. in that like gutter dwell. And you reach a point that that it's got to cut swing load, as we say. And you, you can't, you can't keep that negative weight because, Obviously, if that person just refuses to be a part of the team and or be a part of just, you know, taking care of others, then that's when it's time to be like, all right, you know, maybe they just haven't hit rock bottom enough or maybe Mm -hmm. they need something else to be that aha moment or, you know, that still small voice inside their head that still hasn't given them the, okay, I got to fix this. Or they could have something in their personal life that, we don't know about and that's also where we need to ask but even if you take all these steps to try and change that person and you've already gone through everything it's just last resort where you kind of try and and i'm talking more in the military aspect if let's say you you've tried to talk to them out of uh being so negative in their career field and you've talked to them about um all the different options that they have and they don't want to take it then you try to find out well why are you so negative and it's just turns out that they're just negative because they just don't want to be here then that's where we look into options of uh getting them out um 
And maybe they might be happier in the civilian sector doing something that they actually want to do. Uh, they probably because... won't be. They probably because <laughs> seriously, a lot of the a lot of the folks that you're talking about, I think probably walk out the door. They just haven't found themselves yet, and so they're 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 struggling with that aspect of it. They need some guidance. They don't know. They're not. Maybe they're not even willing to to listen to the guidance and stuff because they're closed. You know, they're closing themselves off, like we're talking about here. Uh, but I think you'll find that, you know, usually in, uh, in most cases or in, in some cases, you'll have individuals who walk out the door. They think they're going to find happiness and what they thought that they were looking for. They haven't found it on the outside because what they really needed has nothing to do with the occupation, the location or whatever. It's something deeper than that. That's, you know, you, mm -hmm. you've got to have a really good life coach, mentor, somebody that pulls that out of you, you know, brings you back up and starts having you focus. Even if it's something as simple as buy a little bit of time, get that stepping stone, move to that career field or that location that you don't really care for, but try to find some positive out of it to buy you yourself a little bit more time to learn more about who you are, what it is that you want to be so that you can then grow into wherever it is, you know, um, it, too many people, I think, try to focus on the surface stuff. You know, we get into social media as an example where everybody's posting wonderful oh, pictures yeah. <laughs> as if they're having a wonderful life. And the truth may be the life behind those photos are not quite as pretty as the photos they're showing. Yeah, especially with our the, the younger generation. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that nobody else is going to be able to find your own happiness. You need to make that yourself you need to you're gonna have to put in work no matter what in every aspect in life you're gonna have to work towards something if you don't want to be in that bad stage in your life I guess you could call it you know I I went through something after my mom passed away and I was just I was done with everything I I was in a really really dark time um I didn't know what to do I I was lost. I didn't know what I what what I wanted to do. Um, backstory is that I was in in Belgium and the other side of the world. My mom was in Texas. We found out she had um, cervical cancer, and then we found out it was terminal. And I'm freaking out because I'm on the other side of the world. I'm not gonna be able to see her. What if she passes away tomorrow and I'm not there for her? And being an only child, having my only mom. I had never lost anybody else. And I just could not, I, I could not live with myself if I didn't, if I wasn't close to her when her time was ending. So the Air Force is so wonderful. Um, they have this program uh, where they can reassign you for a humanitarian cause. And my mom's situation allowed me to be able to get relocated to the base nearest to my hometown so I could be close to my mom. So I am forever grateful to the Air Force because that burn that I would have had had I not been close to my mom, it would have destroyed me. And after she passed, uh, I only got three days off. I, I didn't have time to process anything. We were low manning. We didn't have, we had too many people deployed. Hey, I'm sorry your mom passed away, but you need to back you need to be back at work three days later. Being the airman that I was, service before self, right? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'll I'll be back to work. Um, and that's where 
I wasn't able to deal with my emotions. I had never lost anybody before and I found myself in a really, really dark place. But that's where somebody pulled me out of it. And that somebody is now my husband. Had he not told me, you have so many dreams, what happened to them? You can't just throw all that away. I would have never gone out of that dark place. Um, so yeah, sometimes we do need somebody to to grab us and hold us and, and lift us. But at the same time, after he kind of helped me snap out of it, it was my job to look for those opportunities and to refine myself because I was lost. <laughs> I I was lost and that's when I was like, I'm never, I'm just getting out of the Air Force. How dare you only give me three days off after my mom passes away and it's the Air Force's fault that I'm in this and, and all the blame was for the Air Force and my leadership at the time. Um, but that bad experience is what made me realize Whenever I become an NCO, I'm going to take care of my people. Nobody should go through what I went through because I went through it and it was such a shitty freaking situation. And had I not had that person, I don't know what I would have done. That's how dark of a place I was in. Um, and not a lot of people have somebody close to them like that where they can talk to them honestly and openly and it's scary and we need to really pay attention to people and especially people that we work with and our our airmen are ah, sorry i'm so emotional now <laughs> you know and i think you're spot on i think that you know you've got to be the individual as you start going through rank especially that again goes back and gives back and that's what i was referring to earlier when i was in the service one of the the army one of the things that I did was started realizing not only how long I needed to stay in the Army in order to get uh, my education and the things I needed to do to prepare for the transition, but I started realizing that very same thing, that the people that I had as pretty sucky leaders along my journey, I had to make the change. I had to be the change. I had to be the individual that wouldn't continue perpetuating what had been done which a lot of people do. They're like, oh, well, I was treated like, you know, crap here in this situation. Yes. And I'm going to do the exact same thing to you. And they do that. I decided, no, I'm going to be the change. And there's some things mm -hmm. that just doesn't need to happen any longer. Or there are things that I can do to lift others up. And, you know, and in some cases you had to just go point blank to them and tell them, embrace the suck. You know, it's part of growing up. It's a part of life, you know, and not everybody gets a trophy. This isn't a, everybody gets a trophy world. It shouldn't be, you know, so... No. Um, I, I think like you pointed out something very important through that, you know, sharing and stuff. And by the way, I appreciate you sharing that personal part of your life. But I think that what you pointed out is that as much as people can help you and mentor you or coach you and everything else, change starts inside you. You have to want to do this. And if you don't yes. want to make a change and you don't really want to embrace it, then you're going to go into what we talked about in our last episode, which is your coping mechanisms and, and doing things where you start blaming others and not really, because mm -hmm. that's the way you cope, as opposed to dealing with the situation and finding a way. And taking charge. And taking charge of yourself. Yeah. Yep. And you know, there's that thing that nobody is going to take care of yourself more than you will. Um, you can have mentors, you can have coaches, you, you can have family members that, that talk to you. But at the end of the day, you need to take care of yourself also. And 
it's all part of that mental health that they tell us is that we need to be strong physically and emotionally and mentally because if you're ever in a situation where you don't know what to do, somebody might be able to help you and then you have to figure out yourself. We're, we're all adults here. Nobody's going to hold your hand like mommy and daddy used to when you were a, a little kid. But you need to know when you need to snap out of things also. Yeah. Um, I think your points are well taken, AJ. And I think that what we've been talking about here is, um, you know, really about coaching and mentoring as, as well as taking control of your own life and making sure that you understand you control your own destiny. Um, I had an NCO many years ago that said the exact same thing that you did, which was no one controls your uh, career better than you do. Take control of your career and manage it and stuff and don't blame other people was basically what it was about. And we've talked many times on this podcast about you control your own destiny and it's better for you to decide what you want to live or how you want to live it as opposed to having somebody define that for you. So anyway, I, I want to thank you for sharing your story and, and telling your career a, a little bit more about your career and your background, especially within the Air Force. Some of the challenges you found as being not only um, you know a female within the military and in, in your career field and not having as many mentors, but also having a spouse who was also in the military and some of the challenges that came with that. So maybe it'll be really helpful for people to understand a little bit more about how they can learn more about you in case they're trying to find out where they can find you, especially on social media. Yeah. And, you know, I still get a bunch of people asking me questions on there. It's it's amazing the the power that social media has because you can talk to anybody at any time and they'll ask questions about BMT and stuff or about the career field. And I'm not going to sugarcoat things it's going to be difficult uh, when you first get in, like anything that you first start. You got to learn the job. You got to do what you're supposed to do, um, take your test and all that stuff. But after that, you can work towards something. And while you're taking your test and uh, you're still new, you can set a goal, set small goals, set big goals, and work towards them once you've finished uh, your initial requirements to be in the career field or in whatever job you might have. Um, one one last thing I, I do want to say, however, to uh, go back into what you were saying earlier is um, you were saying how uh, there's those uh, negative supervisors that you've had or those negative people that have been above you or because they had it tough, uh, you have to have it tough. And Having bad supervisors is not always a bad thing because you see what they're doing. You you don't like the things that they're doing. So you keep in the back of your mind what you don't want to be when you become that person. So when you become that supervisor, when you become that leader, um, you're going to be a good leader because you had those crappy leaders that you don't want to be, right? And... turning a negative into a positive again (laughs) you learn from it so I just wanted to touch up on that really quick I'm sorry no no that's an excellent point and I think that that's the reason why it was so important for me to give back in that sense because I didn't want to pass on those those crazy things and you're right I did learn a lot as a matter of fact how I've grown as a leader I I actually probably attribute um, to a couple individuals on the positive side but many, many individuals on the negative side because those individuals on Mm -hmm. the negative side taught me exactly how I did not want to lead. 
So they yes. were probably the best teachers, not even realizing it. Mm. There's choices yep. now in how you take it either side. And you, you, you can learn from the good, but you often learn more from the bad. And, and it's, it's a really, really good point, AJ. So <laughs> glad you brought yeah. it up. So how can, no they, uh, how can people follow you and learn more about you, AJ? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, I go by Alejandra Alet. Um, uh, Alejandra A L E. Try do a phonetic alphabet. I don't know. Um, it's such a long name. <laughs> so um, we'll tag you in the photo and stuff we put on yeah, the, uh, the podcast. Perfect. Yeah. So Alejandra Alet. Um, easy. And I'm always answering people's questions. So if there's any other questions about anything, really, uh, just they can hit me up and I can answer. And um, I do want to say for all the airmen that might be listening to this, I want them to remember that attitude determines the altitude. So fly high, airmen. Nice. Look, I like how you threw that in there. <laughs> now, the cool thing, too, is I'll point out that AJ will also be at our San Antonio meetup, which is happening on the 20th of July. And yes. um, you can sign up either on our website at mentorsformilitary.com and events, or you can go to our um, Facebook page and you can join our team room there and you'll see the events on the events link. And uh, along with you will be some uh, other cool people that'll uh, be helping co-host along with, uh, hopefully Eric Martin will be there to join you, uh, a, yeah. a, a current Air Force um, major and uh, who is a pilot and a trainer and everything there and his wife both uh, were they were both academy grads and anyway it's the opportunity just to kind of do some networking meet up and uh, meet some fellow like-minded people so uh, if you're looking to to meet AJ maybe ask her some questions face to face that'll be a great opportunity to do that ask lots of questions we're here to answer them all right thanks AJ thanks for coming on thank you thank you for listening to our podcast you can follow us on twitter Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran-owned companies, and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way. The frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code MENTORSFORMIL or MENTORS4MIL at SkeletonOptics.com and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.